And if you'd like to get out 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2 and 3. Actually, I had intended to speak on 1 Samuel 4. That has been on my heart for the last week or so. But when I started to look into it, I thought we would have a better background if we go back a chapter or two and look a little bit to see what the state of things was in those days when Samuel came on the scene. And I think we'll read in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and we have Hannah's prayer. You know, Hannah was a wonderful person. She was very disturbed and very downhearted because she was barren. And she even was being attacked by her other wife in the family, Elkanah. Her husband had another wife called Penina. And she used to have goes at poor old Hannah because she was barren and the other girl had had children. And she went up, she prayed to God, and then she went up to Shiloh with her husband. And she went into the sanctuary and she was praying. Do you remember the story so well? And Eli the priest thought she was drunk and she says, no, it's because I'm very distressed and I want a child. And she prayed earnestly to God. And God answered our prayer. And you know, when we come in distress and agony of spirit to God, he will never fail us. And then she prayed a wonderful prayer. And we have it in chapter 2. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Do we rejoice in the salvation that God has given to us? There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. Now that's an interesting verse. God is a God of knowledge. He knows all things. He knows everything that goes on. As Brenda said, he, he knows us better. He knows our children better than we know them. He knows you better than you know yourself. He's a God of knowledge. But look, it says, by him actions are weighed. What is our motive? Why, why do we do things? God knows why. He says he weighs your actions and your motives. He knows why we do things. Do we do the things in order to be popular? Or, or, or are we doing them just for his glory? That should be the main object of why we do anything. In him we move and have our being. And it says by him actions are weighed. It's quite, quite a thought. He knows why we do things. The bows of the mighty are broken and they that stumbled are girded with strength. 
He helps those who stumble and fall, the weak. He says he girds us with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. Well, God had exalted her. He'd given her children. And she, she, it appears she had six children. Maybe she did have a seventh that isn't recorded. But at least uh, she says there, The barren hath borne seven. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. Yes, we're, oh, this was talking about the place of the departed. Those after the resurrection were brought, he led captivity captive. He, he brought them up out of Sheol, out of the grave, it says here. But he brought them and he went in triumph back to glory with those he had released, the captive held in Sheol. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raised up the poor out of the dust and lifted up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he hath set the world upon them. Oh, we have been made kings and priests unto God. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. Not by might, not by strength, it says elsewhere, but by my spirit. That's how we will overcome and that's how we will have victory. Through the spirit of God working through us. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And so she prayed this wonderful prayer because God had answered her prayer. And you know so well she, she brought little Samuel and presented him before the Lord. To him, for he had to uh, be left there with old Eli. Now we don't know an awful lot about Eli, strangely enough. I looked up to see how much we knew about Eli, the old priest. And we don't know an awful lot about him. We know that he had a couple of blackguards of sons, but apart from that we don't know an awful lot about Eli. And little Samuel was presented to the Lord and, and given over for the service of the Lord. A wonderful thing that she did. She, she kept her promise to the Lord and we must make sure that when we make promises to God that we keep them. It's easy in distress and in, in sickness and in other occasions to, to say things but remember don't treat God lightly. We'll talk about that in a moment. <clears throat> so Samuel was presented in, in, to, to, to old Eli and he helped him around the place. Opened the doors. Kept the place tidy. You can imagine a little fellow running around. And he got a new coat every year. And uh, his mother used to come up and visit him. Must have made a terrible heartbreak for the mother. To have to leave her little boy away. And go back to everyday life. But she 
did a wonderful thing because look at what happened with Samuel. Look at the, the life that Samuel had. All because this woman was true to her promise to God. She, I'm sure she never thought of all that would have happened in the life of Samuel. We wouldn't have two books of the Bible if it wasn't for her. Hannah was a, a wonderful person. But you know, we, we, we think of Samuel there and everything lovely. But things were bad. Things were very bad in Israel during this time. Things were terrible. And if you look on to chapter 3, it says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. The word of the Lord, the word of Jehovah was rare in those days. A vision was not frequent. When little Samuel came on the scene, the situation in Israel was bad, very bad. Many of the rules which had been laid down in the law were being usurped and ignored. You know, as we study God's word, we, some, we see parallels quite often to the present day. We should learn from these, and that's why they're there. The, the New Testament tells us that these Old Testament uh, stories and events are recorded so that we can be instructed and edified and warned from them that we don't do the same type of things. The word of Jehovah was rare in those days. A vision was not frequent. Israel had strayed away from the truth of God's word and God's word as a result was not being heard. And his will was not being transmitted or taught to the people. It was rare. There was no vision. And that's true today as we look around our churches. Many have strayed away from the teachings and doctrines which we have learned, it says. People are not hearing God's word. And so have no vision as to what God requires of them. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, it says the people perish. The people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Do you want to be happy? Well, keep God's law, keep God's word, read God's word, study God's word, learn what he has to say. We know that verse so well in Amos 8, 11, Behold, the days shall come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And we believe that those kind of days are with us. When God's word is not being taught and explained to people, and because of that the people perish. They've no vision. They don't know what God requires of them. Things had become lax. Now go back to chapter 2 and look at verses 12 to 19. We read these verses. Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. These were priests 
the sons of Eli. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, and he struck it with into the pan or the kettle or the cauldron or pot, all that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. Also before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it to me now. And if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. The sons of Eli, it says, were sons of Belial, sons of the devil. They knew not the Lord. What a situation that this little Samuel was coming into. The two men here were serving before the Lord. They didn't know the Lord. Oh, they knew about God. They knew what the law said. But they had no fear, no love for God. They had departed from his law and from his ways. And you know, these rules and regulations that they had laid down, they sort of became law. Because all the other priests started copying them. The priests, the men in charge, did not know the Lord. Terrible situation. But you know, we have it. We have it all around us, don't we? The men in charge of churches today, they don't know the Lord. They're only in it for the position. They're only in it to try and better themselves. A lot of the practices, as we know, have no biblical foundations to what they do. And the people go along with it because they have to, don't they? Mainly because they, they have to. They want to get married. They want to do things. They have to go along with it. And the other thing is, of course, they know no better. Nobody has ever told them. Nobody's ever taught them as to the true doctrines of Scripture. You know, the priests, the, the, the situation was, the priests already had the right to certain portions of the animals that were brought for sacrifice. But that was not enough for them. They wanted more. Now, we spoke a few weeks ago about covetousness. Covetousness is really wanting more. Than God has given you. Always wanting something more. And you know we find that don't we with people. When they get involved in error. They always want something different. Another revelation. Uh, something more from God. They're always looking for something new. What's the next thing that's going to come along. So we have Alf. We've had Toronto. What's the next one? We always want something new never satisfied with the plain truths of scripture. 
to make sure that the truths of scripture we adhere to them and keep very close to them you know this custom when they when they brought meat for the offering it's probably talking about the peace offering here part of that offering belonged to the Lord the breast and the shoulder already was the portion of the priests and the balance was given back to the man and he could have a meal with his friends and his family having offered this peace offering to the Lord but now they brought in a new custom they, they used to boil this meat up somewhere within the sanctuary and then they, the, the priests would send their servant in who had no right in the sanctuary at all but he would go in with this three pinned uh, hook and he'd plunge it in to where the, 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 the meat was cooking and he'd pull it out and whatever came out on these three hooks that was then the portion of the priests nothing to do with what the law said going completely against God's law they introduced this new custom and it was all a matter of gaining more and more for the priests it's not so different from it is nowadays the way churches operate mass cards you know when we were in Ireland we, we saw more of this probably than you do over here when any of our, 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 our Catholic friends died they, they had mass cards and you even got it when some of our relations or friends would have died out of their own idea it was a nice thought from their point of view but it was pagan they would send you a mass card and what they would do they would go and they'd get this mass card and they would pay so much to have a mass said on behalf of the person who had died they'd send you a little mass card to, to show that they had done this their intentions were good but there's no there's no biblical foundation for it indulgences all these kind of things have been introduced even things like charging to marry somebody or charging to bury somebody remember the first funeral I did I, I was amazed the, the undertaker handed me an envelope and there was something like 65 or 70 pounds in it I said what's this for he says that's your, your, your fee I said, haven't got it. Don't, don't want any fee. Uh, it was a privilege to, to and I gave back to him. And now he knows if I ever do a funeral, he doesn't have to charge me. He, he, that's I should be I should be popular doing funerals really because it's not costing people any. But you know that that's what happens. The, the the undertaker. It's all done through the undertaker in a kind of a a, a subtle way that the the minister doing the funeral gets paid for it. Things haven't changed from, from, from these days when they were pulling out the meat for the priests. And then it goes on to say that sometimes they'd say, well, we don't. I want, he's fed up, they're fed up eating this boiled meat. He wants to roast it. And don't, don't put it in the pot. Give it to me before it gets as far as that. He, the, the, he doesn't want uh, soggy meat. He wants roast meat. So give it to me now before you put it into the pot. It, was, it had deteriorated into something which was grotesque. It was dishonouring to God. And the priests were doing this right where people were 
coming to offer sacrifices to God. Incredible situation. And this was the situation that little Samuel was presented before God and before Eli. And in verse 17 it says, The sin of the young man was very great before the Lord. For man abhorred the offering of the Lord. It had an effect on the people who were coming to offer sacrifices. They weren't coming now with their sacrifices. Because of the corruption of the priests, men abhorred the offering of the Lord. It's not a terrible situation. These were the sons of Levi. They were the ringleaders. And they set a bad example. Which the other priests followed. Sin is ascribed to them. But in actual fact. It was common throughout the land. And all this as I say. Was done in the tabernacle. In the presence of God. Which plainly, plainly showed. They had no fear of God. They had no fear of God. Nor any sense of his omnipotence. Or his omnipresence. Any more than of his holiness and of his justice. Frightening. These men were doing this right in the tabernacle. And as a result, the people didn't want to bring sacrifices because they could see through the wickedness of the priests. Why do people not attend churches today? Do you ever think why? It's because the people can see through the wickedness and the evils in the churches. And see through all the hypocrisy. Oh God help us not to be hypocrites. So we should pray. And the sanctuary was even being defiled by the servants. Those servants who came in with the hooks and all. They shouldn't have been there. They weren't priestly. They were servants of the priests. They weren't servants of God. They were defiling the holy place. And you know the only people that benefited from all this. Wasn't the people bringing the sacrifice. It wasn't any benefit to God. It was a benefit to the priests. They were lining their own pockets. And so today. Many instances of churches are the only ones who are gaining anything out of all this. Because the people aren't getting any spiritual benefit out of most of the practices. And then, if you look on further, there was immorality. Now, Eli was very old. Chapter 2, verse 22. And heard all that his sons did unto all Israel. All Israel. All that he heard, he knew about it. And how they lay with women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. They didn't listen to him. Immorality. Right at the door of the tabernacle. 
things had become very, very serious, very, very bad. But they ignored Eli's warnings. It seemed to have been a very weak kind of effort on Eli's part in any case. Because we'll see in a minute. You know, we look at the immorality in the churches today. Now, you all know of it. There's no need for me to enunciate it. The, the, all the, the child abuse and all that has happened throughout uh, many parts of the world uh, through the churches. But it says, notwithstanding, notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father because the Lord would slay them. God had decided and God had decreed that he would judge these wicked men. They wouldn't listen to the voice of their father. And you know, here is an interesting verse. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But Eli says, But if a man sins against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. If a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? The people were dependent on Eli to be their mediator between God and them. And yet, here was the man Eli who was party to all these events. Praise God that we don't have to go through a man people then had to go through a high priest in order to get to God but thank God we have a mediator an advocate before the Father in heaven the Lord Jesus Christ who is our mediator we don't have to go through mere mortal man we do not need a high priest as did the Israelites of old our high priest has gone into the heavenlies and is there forever interceding for you and for me. Isn't that wonderful? These poor people, they were refusing to offer sacrifices because of the corruption. But we have a perfect high priest. And that was the situation. A terribly wicked situation. And yet we read in verse 26 and the child Samuel grew on and was in favor with both the Lord and also with men. God had his finger on little Samuel in the middle of all this distress. And then an interesting thing took place. God in his graciousness sent a prophet. We're not told who he was. There came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord. A message from God. A message from God was rare in those days. And yet God sent this man especially to Eli. 
Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? Did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Make yourselves. Eli was involved. They weren't just making Hophni and Phinehas fat. He says, you're honoring your sons above me and make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore the Lord of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father shall walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, and there shall not be an old man in thine house. And thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation, in all the wealth which God shall give Israel, and there shall not be an old man in thine house forever. And the man of thine, whom I shall not cut off from mine altar, shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart, and all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. And this shall be a sign unto thee, that shall come upon thy two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas, in one day they shall die, both of them. Listen to this. And I will raise up a faithful priest, that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. It shall come to pass that every one that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and shall say, Put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices that I may eat a piece of bread. What an amazing message this man brought to old Eli. What God is really saying is, listen, after all that I have done for you and for your people, I instituted the law with instructions for my worship in my sanctuary, and now how have you rewarded me? You're kicking my law out. And your benefit is verse 30. Wherefore do ye trample upon my sacrifice and upon mine oblation which I have commanded in my habitation? And thou honorest thy sons above me. And to make yourselves fat with the primest of all the oblations of Israel, my people. You're coming into the house of God. You're despising, you're trampling my sacrifice. 
trampled upon it, he says. And you're honoring your sons above me. Let us beware how we come before God and how we conduct our worship before God. Make sure that we do not treat the word of God lightly. It's easy to treat the word of God lightly. In Ezekiel 8.17, when God gave that vision to Ezekiel, he says, Hast thou not seen, O son of man, is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit? Is it a light thing? They were treating the law of God lightly. Don't treat God lightly. This was also the message for Eli. You're treating God lightly. Thou honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the primest of all the oblations of Israel, my people. What an indictment that this man, the priest, was given by the prophet. Beware if ye lightly esteem the things of God, then he said, they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. They that honor me, I will honor. God says, if we honor him, he will honor you. But if we treat him lightly, he will treat us lightly. He will esteem us lightly. It's a terrible warning that. And then he says, you want a sign about this? Well, I give you a sign. Both your sons are going to be killed in the one day. But the good thing for you and for me, I think, in this prophecy from the prophet was verse 35. Where he says, your family's going to be wiped out. We'll see that later on sometime. Hophni and Phineas are going to be killed in a day. As it happened, Eli was killed in the same day. His family was going to be wiped out. There's going to be no old men in your family. But he says it's going to be a wonderful thing. I will raise up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before mine anointed forever we're going to have a priest who's going to be before his anointed forever this is pointing to the coming Messiah the Lord Jesus Christ made a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek oh the, the, the sight that Eli could see for him and for his children was bleak but the prophet could foresee that in the future there was one who was going to come one who was going to be an eternal high priest forever interceding for you and for me the high priest was anointed as a mediator between God and man but he was going to be wiped out and that was the trouble with the old system one died and then another one had to take place. And then another one had to take place. And they were fallible. They had to offer a sacrifice for themselves. 
before they could offer a sacrifice for the people when they went into the sanctuary. But our high priest has entered in once and for all. And he's there forever interceding. I'll raise up a faithful priest. One who is before me forever. And this was the situation that little Samuel was being brought into. And yet we read that he grew and was in favor both with the Lord and with men. You know, just thinking about this, I'm sure Hophni and Phineas, when they started off, started off very well. They didn't suddenly start into error. It doesn't happen that way usually with people. They gradually drift into error. They stray, the Bible says, like lost sheep, going away from the truth into error. We are unlikely to go into error just straight away. But we should be on our guard that we stick closely to the word of God. Peter warned us, he said, there, there were false prophets among the people in those days. Hophni and Phinehas and these, there were false prophets amongst the people. And he says, even so, there are going to be false teachers amongst you. Who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. Even denying the Lord that bought them. And bring upon themselves swift destruction. And yet God had his hand on little Samuel. In the middle of all this corruption and evil. And we see as we look at this over the weeks how God led Samuel wonderful how God protected that little boy in the middle of all this corruption we are reminded in the prayer that Jesus said I will never leave you nor forsake you and we live in a world which is a wicked world a world of sin a world of corruption. Yet. Through the power of the spirit of God. Indwelling us. We can live a life. In favour with God. If we stick close to his word. And if we. Follow him closely. One of the things we're going to do. We're going to. Come round bread and the wine to remember the Lord Jesus Christ and to obey his command to us Paul when he was writing in Corinthians he said that he had this special vision of the breaking of the bread and what the Lord Jesus Christ had done. He said, as often as ye eat the bread and drink the wine, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was looking at a little booklet that came in, and I was, why do we show forth the Lord's death? You think it would say, 
perhaps we show forth the Lord's life or we show forth the Lord's resurrection or but why show forth the Lord's death till he come when our Lord Jesus Christ died that was the last time the world saw him that was the last time after that when he rose from the dead the only people that saw him were believers it was a whole new situation the death of the Lord Jesus Christ finished his association with the world from then on it was an association with heaven when we become Christians it too should be death death to the world from then on our association is only through the Lord Jesus Christ in his death because death is a finish we're dead to the world and we're alive to righteousness from then on our life is in the heavenlies we're a heavenly people we were an earthly people but once we died to sin died to the world we're finished with the world we become a heavenly people we're God's heavenly people the Jews are God's earthly people we're God's heavenly people God has still a plan for the Jews his earthly people but he has a plan for us because we're his heavenly people and it is because of his death Christ's death that we have become a heavenly people so as often as you eat the bread and drink the wine you do show forth the Lord's death till he come he has left this world and we are his representatives in this world it's a strange thing isn't it we are the temples of the Holy Spirit as the, the, the tabernacle as it went around the, the, the desert was revealing the presence of God to the children of Israel so you and I as we go around this desert of the world should be representing the Lord Jesus Christ but we have no function with the world those who had the right to enter the tabernacle and especially right into the holiest of holies was the high priest only those who were servants of God had the right to go in there the world couldn't go into it the world wasn't able to go into the sanctuary it had to stay outside we are like that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit the world should not intrude into our lives and as Christians because we have died and because the Lord Jesus died it is through his death that we have entered 
into this newness of life. It is through his death that he has left this world and is now seated in the heavenlies. Our situation with Christ is seated in the heavenlies with him. That's why it says, ye do show forth the Lord's death till he come. Because one day he's going to come back again. And he's going to take us away from this wicked old world. We can't wait. The sooner the better. But until then, we are his representatives down here on earth.